good to see you thrive. What's happened, mate? They used to be the best-looking church. Three months ago, they were the best-looking church. Now they are a ridiculously good-looking church. Uh, it's so good to uh, be able to share with you again this morning. Uh, I'm not going to say much to start with. I'll just wrap things up at the end. But uh, what I want to do is just get the Cambodia team out so that you can see who went. And uh, we can celebrate these guys who made uh, made this effort to get out there to Cambodia. So come on out, team, and uh, let's have a look at your awesome faces. Aren't they amazing? And we've got Toby who, um, what was it that Toby wanted to share? That tuk-tuks are cool. And that the dog barked at his sandals when they lit up. Okay, so there we go. That's, that's Toby's contribution to this morning. Uh, we have one other member on our team as well, and that was Carly Ryder, been with us for the second time, and uh, she is from Arise Church. So aren't they cool? Aren't they amazing? They're awesome. So we're going to hear from a few of these guys this morning. The first three people are going to share their experience with you. The next three people are going to share uh, with you some of the missions that we are supporting over in Cambodia. This morning is going to be a really exciting morning uh, because there is amazing things happening over there in Cambodia. It was my pleasure this week to go along to a leaders meeting. I was invited back to a leaders meeting. So cool. And to share with them the amazing stuff that we are a part of over there in Cambodia. So uh, so those that are sharing, if you want to just come and take a front row seat, uh, and we're going to hand it over to Leonie Young, the great Leonie Young, to open it up with this morning. Yeah, first shall be last, last shall be first, you know. I've been instructed with three minutes and I tend to talk fast so I need you to go if I'm talking too fast um, because actually there's lots to talk about but three minutes it's going to be all oh right Lisa's going like this already um, <laughs> it's going to be condensed um, a lot of people have asked me was it fun how did it go and all I can say is it's a country of contrast um, and, and organized kind of organized chaos um, and so it's very hot but then it's very cold sometimes in the air conditioning and then it's um, you know there's just all these yeah, we even had to put like a sweatshirts on the one sweatshirt we bought for the flight back. Anyway, um, and um, there's just contrast everywhere. There's rich and poor. There's um, just huge contrast. Doesn't seem to be too much in the middle. One of the biggest things I noticed was a lack of colour. Um, I'm really uh, I love colour, and um, and it's the first thing I noticed coming back into New Zealand was just the colour and the vibrancy and clarity of colour coming back into the country. And I think that haze kind of covered what could be the potential in Cambodia. That's kind of reflective on spiritually what's there too. Um, so the contrast, that actually bothered me, the, the contrast between rich and poor, but the poverty is huge. You have to kind of witness it to really grasp it. Um, all I can say is it's very poor. We saw lots of poverty at, at the raw, real level. Um, <clears throat> but what got me, I was praying, asking, what is Satan's strategy here? What is the, what is the strongholds? That's what I prayed really the whole time. Ask God to give me eyes to see. Um, and one of them is fear. I really felt there's a lot of fear underlying change. Whoops. Um, one of the things is the Buddhists there, for example, who, you know, our church in New Zealand are known to be generous. And in, in there, um, I, real, I found out that Buddhists actually just walk around quite smugly with their umbrellas and they just stand there waiting for the people to give to them. And it's just, you know, so, and then if they don't, it's these are fear based because they get cursed if they don't give, you know, like, so there's really undercurrents of fear. And, um, and there's fear of corruption, there's fear of even helping people. I encountered a motorbike accident where I actually rushed to help the person because that's just naturally what we do in New Zealand. And um, I was told later by Johnny that actually it's actually quite a dangerous thing to do because, oh, because I wondered why the guy that hit this other lady didn't help. He kind of wanted to. I could see the look in his face, like, oh, heck, what have I done? But he kind of drove off, but kind of looking around what was happening. And I rushed already and I looked back that he came when I came to help. And it was, he said it's probably because I would have been done by the police or you know, bribed with money. I'd have to pay to, so I would be at fault. But that makes sense. I would have taken responsibility because there's so much corruption. They see foreigners being rich, so they would have, you know. It just doesn't make sense. So it's just very, um, and I, anyway, but as I was praying, I was just saying, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed with that kind of level of corruption and poverty. But as I was there, and I was just, because I always look at people and I go and pass, there's so many people, that was the other thing. Um, but I always wonder, what is their story? Like I'd say, who are they going home to? What family are they trying to feed here? You know, and that's what I'd be thinking about the whole time I was there. So I really needed God to be my best buddy the whole time. So I stuck very close to him. Um, and But one of the things that he showed me was 
Now, as you probably know, I shared last time I came from quite a violent background with a lot, every kinds of abuse, and um, and so my need was very, you know, down, like, you know, from the bars, it was down here. But God comes at every level to build it up to be equitable with everyone else. And I thought, how cool is that? Because there's so much need there, and and clearly God's grace is a contrast to the fear that's there. And how cool that, you know, already there's so many amazing missions that are there, already bringing the grace and love of God. And, and there's such a contrast that how would you not run to the light? You know, and that's kind of what I saw. And I got really excited. I got really excited seeing prison fellowship. I'd, every single one of the places we went to, I felt excited. So initially I felt discouraged. It was a process. And I thought, ask God the questions. And he showed me the answers of where these spring bulbs are coming up in the, in the winter. It was really cool. I just want to say a verse um, by Bill Johnson, one of my idols. Um, no, not allowed those, you know, one of my heroes. Um, Grace, <laughs> oh, I know he is. He, I mean, everything he says, I go out to manifest everything he says, it's like, I'm trying to write it down because you could have T-shirts and trillions of T-shirts, you know, sell them in Cambodia, you know, with the real truth. But anyway, um, so, yeah, they sell a lot of T-shirts, misspelling, it's really funny. But anyway, um, so... This is what he says, and I love this. Grace is the atmosphere created by love that makes faith the only reasonable response. And I so believe that for Cambodia. And um, the the thing I think about is um, what can we do? Because we carry, we are the representation of Jesus. And I know that for every one of you, there's something that you can do. And I know that for me, when I first learned, I was a very tentative person when I first came to the Lord and with Christians. I really feared Christians. But one of the big things that, it was actually a whole lot of small things that people did for me, like just smiling, just acknowledging me, giving me the, you know, or opening the door for me. And it's all those small things that actually pull me into the family of God. And I know that over there, that nothing small is insignificant. Just like what you're saying, Glenn, there's nothing small that can't make a difference. And um, so I just want to share one thing, just sorry, one thing that was really cool to me. Um, do you want to show the photo, Tom? Um, I was had the great privilege and honour of working with um, Be Free Women, and these are women who have been rescued out of Hagar Ministries. And um, <coughs> and we got, I already run a creative arts group, and it's just a place to love on people, and that's simply what it is, through the, and being creative together. And um, and we've been doing it for the last four years. Lisa, Jill, and I have been doing that. And um, and so what, I, I took a few crafts over there that could sell and market, and talk, talk, talk to them how we market them here, and they do really well. Um, it's, you know, they can make a profit out of that. And and um, so what what we did is I spent the whole day just crafting with them and talking, and then we prayed in the afternoon, and it was really special time. And I felt like, oh, you can see yay. So I've got yay on one, oh, it's kind of a bit messy. We've got yay photos, and then I've got Cambodia photos. You almost wouldn't know the difference. It's like we're, we're a family. You were, I just felt a real connection with um, family. So I was just wanted to share that with you. But one of the things I'm just looking into now is, um, is to actually I brought a whole lot of different key rings, owls, trees, you know, that they make. And I actually would like to sell them um, here. And I'd, I'm just saying, if anyone wants to sell any, I don't mind ordering more through, through Esther or getting a big group of them. You can sell them at school. You can sell them at, um, you know, in your workplace or wherever. So let me know. And this is one way we can support um, Be Free, the woman in Be Free. So they already um, export stuff to UK, but they're only just starting to get quite big. So let's get in there first and grab some, and, you know. But they're really cool. They've got a whole lot. These um, brought for $2 American, but I was going to sell them $3 from New Zealand just so that we can keep buying more. And they're well worth it. They're very well made. And so you come and see me if you're actually interested in getting buying some to sell. Anyway, but yeah, that's me. Good job, Leonie. Leonie was such a treasure on the team. It was so good to have her with us. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, be free people uh, rescue from the sex trade. So, yeah, amazing, amazing stuff there. The great Simone coming to share, I think, for the first time in Thrive. And uh, this is going to be this gonna be awesome. On a Sunday morning? Oh, okay. Well, you, you, uh, third time. Yeah, you're like an old timer. You'll be sweet. So I turned around and said to Michaela that I was nervous. She's like, you'll do good. And Louise is like, you'll do. So, <laughs> so I'm prepared now. Prepared. <laughs> so for me, I wasn't really too sure why I wanted to go to Cambodia. I never really felt specifically called there. And I didn't really feel like I was in a position where I had a lot to offer because I still had a lot of challenges in my own life that I had to overcome before I was, could even go to Cambodia. But I felt like God was telling me to go, and I definitely had enough people around here telling me to go. So I was like, all right, I'll go. And since we've come back and I've had some time to reflect, 
I think for me, Cambodia was just a way for God to grow me in areas that I probably wouldn't fully grasp in New Zealand. One of the biggest areas I felt like I grew in and had the most revelations about was family. I've always been really passionate about family and I know how important it is and how much we need it. It's easy to see in New Zealand and in Cambodia the need for family. But also in the back of my mind, I thought if you didn't quite have an awesome family to begin with, you never really would. I've heard about being God's child and being in his family, but I guess I hadn't truly grasped it yet. While I was in Cambodia, I felt God draw me into family in a deeper way. I got to have so many awesome family moments with the team, and especially with Chris and Ruth. They were amazing. It was awesome to see family lived out and the supportiveness we showed to each other while we were in a different and uncomfortable environment. I also got to meet some awesome people in Cambodia, like Kevin Knight from Manna for Life. He was an awesome man after God's heart, and I got to chat with him on one of the days, and we shared our testimonies with each other, and I was really impacted by what he had to say. His testimony just hit so close to home, and he had so much awesome advice to offer. I know it was a God thing that I got to meet Kevin, and it's so awesome to think about that, that God plans things out so perfectly. He gives us things we couldn't even ask for. It's so easy to see so many awesome examples of God's family and God's heart in Cambodia. There are an incredible amount of people that are there just wanting to bring people into a relationship with God. Even though there's still a lot of need, it was so inspiring to see all the progress being made and all the ground being taken back by, by God's family. With all of the awesome things I saw and the things God set up for me, I had the revelation that I am part of an incredibly massive family and I get to show that... I'm lost now, wait. I get to show that amazing love to people. The things I learned in Cambodia made me really excited to come back and share those revelations with people. I think Cambodia is one of the most challenging but life-changing things I've ever done. Yeah. Hey, guys. using technology today, back to old-fashioned paper. <laughs> um, so, oh, I don't know how to start. Um, first impression of Cambodia, this will sound a bit weird, but imagine for me, um, teenagers please try, um, the, uh, imagine that a baby has just been born, right? Um, and this baby... You hold it in your arms and you feel something that you don't really understand but it's close to what you'd think is unconditional love. It has absolutely nothing it can offer you and yet you have you can't think of any reason not to love it. It's just your innate response. That was my first impression when I came into Cambodia and the heat hit me. I could hear the people behind me going, oh my gosh, I'm dying. And, <laughs> and all I could think was, oh, I'm home. Um, I've never felt anything like that before. Um, I had a Bible verse that was um, something about if you seek the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. I've never had a God desire like that before where everything just felt so right. I walked the streets of Cambodia and I felt like I'd been there before. I, wa I saw the tragedies that happened in Cambodia, the impoverished people, the people with disabilities begging on the streets, and I just, I saw it and I knew it, and I felt like I'd lived it to a point. It just, it all made sense. Um, and then coming back, coming back here... The lasting impression I had was of that of after the baby's been born and it's grown up and it's a teenager and you see the edges and the flaws and you see the rough points and you see the points where you're just like, oh, damn it. And <laughs> but you love it anyway and you know exactly why you love it and I felt like that was with Cambodia. I, I always loved it in my heart. It's just leaving it, I knew more about why. Um, and... It's, it challenges you, it really does. 
I think one of the biggest things that just sort of impacted me was the fact that you think you know what wealth is, but then you see what it does to people. You see what it does to people on the other side of the world that make those products that we buy because we think they look cool and then we see the people that's left with the downside of that and it's like, what is wealth? It's an illusion because all it does is it makes someone else poorer. It makes someone else have less because we want more. Um, and so I started writing a poem about Cambodia. Poetry is kind of, it's, it's a part of who I am and it's the way I express myself. And I wasn't actually going to share this until my amazing mentor, Kat, said that I should. So um, this is, it's, it's really huge, so I don't want to bore you with it, but I'll share a part that's actually basically part of the heart of Cambodia. Um, uh, okay, so I'll start here. Sometimes it all feels too much, and I feel like my mind will burst. Too much beauty, but too much pain. But that's okay, because it's good to feel how big everything is. It draws us back to what really matters, each other. And that's a good thing to remember. However, I did not realise any of this until I went to a land so different from my own, and I called it home, where chaos was, all, was normal and order was not. This was most definitely home. But I was not prepared for what I experienced, and that made all the difference. I saw three young children in their pyjamas, holding hands. They walked along a slum-filled street with no shoes in the harsh midday sun. Kids in poverty, kids with little, yet they smiled with joy. I saw two primary school kids with their mother, sporting expensive brands and walking down a picket street fence. The kids were complaining about their need for cool shoes. This is life, but it isn't. Elderly, elderly, young men, women and children were crying, wailing, shaking with despair as a government organisation bulldozed everything they held dear. Their progress, their homes, their jobs, their lives. A rich developer didn't want his condos to have an unsavoury view. Now empty hallways lavishly designed and ornate, left dusty and hollow until the maid's monthly date. A shadow of gold, left vacant and new. It'll help with the economy. That's what they'd tell you. This is life. But it isn't. Colours faded and kissed by the sun, then washed by the rain to ease what is done. Brain, browns and yellows, occasional greens, all others faded in signs and advertising screens. Then vibrant and lush, a spectrum of light, each colour stark and fabulous and bright. Colour splashed on with the most energetic shades, ordained onto buildings and clothes, everywhere it permeates. This isn't life, but it definitely is. But what is life? It's not this, it's our mayhem, absolute mayhem. It's inherited and passed on. People are here, then gone. But we're more so gone than ever before, since we live from technology and treat real life like a chore. We're miserable with our toys, which really are only decoys to what actual possessions look like, but until you see a comparison, you'll stay slave to things finite. And then it all went black. I woke up, I woke up thinking maybe that's how it ends. Or maybe it isn't. But please, someone tell me why I understand now. East and West. Thanks, Trin. Uh, Trin was uh, one person on the team that when she got to Cambodia, literally she hopped off the plane and she, she looked at home. Um, and we're having our first debrief and she just said, I just feel like I'm in the right place. And she was just alive there. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what God... Uh, God challenges you with uh, in the in the coming years, um, and uh, yeah, thank you for um, giving your impression so honestly and, and candidly. Um, and Simone, uh, great great sharing, man, you're awesome, you're amazing.
Very good. Hey, we're going to um, now look at some of the projects that we're involved with. So, Tom, do you want to just give us the first slide, and then we'll know who needs to come up and share about that. So, Elam Church, Dave and Esther, it is you. Hey, guys. Um, so, I went over to Cambodia expecting that God was going to wreck my heart about all the poor people and um, wreck my heart about um, like poverty and all of that stuff, but the thing that actually got me was the church. Um, like, I, I, what we do here on a Sunday morning um, with you guys, this is like, this is my highlight of the week. I love being with you. And I walked into their church on Sunday morning and I was like, this is, this is the same place. I, I was like, I've been here before. It was the same thing that Trinity was talking about. I walked in and I was like, this is like, this is just, like church this is this is the church and the thing that really got me was it was like our church in Rangiora which is like kind of other side of the world feels the same as the church that's in Cambodia that was is pastored by people from Ireland like those are three totally different places um but God's still the same and the church is still the same um and so the man you can see up the top, he's Sirak. He's um, my favorite person in Cambodia. He's basically, he's the worship leader at the church. Um, you know, he's, he, me and him, we, he's basically Cambodian me, except for he's like this short. Um, but like just spending time with them and just being around them was just, that was, um, was just awesome. Um, so I remember walking into church and I, I'd heard stories about um, the year before when the church had like just Sirak and his not yet wife, Sophia, um, who they're now married, were the only two. And so it was like acoustic guitar and singing. And I walked into the church and they had drums and electric guitar and a bass and another guitar and keyboard and like five singers on stage um and the only thing that i noticed is i walked in and instead of like this nice crash when you heard the cymbals it was like this duh duh on the cymbals which is not like you can see connor's laughing right now because that's not like a good thing um it was quieter yes and chris made all these comments because what um what god i felt like god say was that we should um, buy them some new symbols, and I was like, I don't even know how much symbols are. So I went and talked to the team, and everyone was like, "Sweet, do it." So um, I got to go out with Sirak and Davy, who is um, the guy beneath them. If you want to hear a great story about Davy, go talk to Larissa. She does a mean Irish accent, and he and she's got a great story of his. Um, he probably wouldn't be stoked if she told it in front of the whole church, but you know, um, it's a poo story. So we went out and bought them some new symbols, and we went to church on Sunday morning, and it was awesome. It was great. Um, and I, I remember when when I, God talked to me about it, I was like, man, Connor's going to be so proud of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now the church, they do they do heaps of things. So it's out of the church that Be Free is run, that um, Leonie, wherever you have gone, there you are. Um, was talking about and they have a daycare center out of the church as well and um, and the the Happy Kids Club in Cambodia everything's named we're all like obvious names and really kind of lame names but this is Sirak at the Happy Kids Club um, which that we don't have I don't think we have the photo but that was probably the other most moving experience was um, when hopefully we have the photo at some point but when worship um when they did worship at the kids club there was i don't know like 50 kids sitting there and i don't think i've ever seen 90 90 okay 90 um and i don't think i've ever seen anybody be more respectful in worship just watching these kids for like two songs of singing jesus loves me this i know with um their hands folded and their legs crossed sitting with their eyes closed and heads bowed was honestly one of the most moving experiences. Um, 
I'm just going to ramble on if I talk anymore. So I will pass it over to whoever is next. Can you just flick back for us, Tom? And um, so David there on the left with, uh, with Julie. Uh, and then just on this photo on the right, that is Esther on the um, left, right beside Leone. And then you've got Sirak, you've got Sophia, and you've got Julie again. And is that you up the back, Trin? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so that's uh, that's him. And, and so Sirak, I think you saw the motorbike while we were away. Uh, we purchased the motorbike that has allowed Happy Kids Club to um, to happen. David said he could have killed Sirak the first week uh, because they had just brought this new uh, projector, $600, and a great big screen. He finds out that Sirak rides an hour and a half on the motorbike with the projector uh, on his back and the screen over his shoulder to get out to the Happy Kids Club to use it. Very good. So Stars of Peace is next with the great cat. Hi. Um, I think so far we've proved that we're all rubbish at keeping time, so I'm going to do my very best. Um, <laughs> fortunately, Matt follows me, and he doesn't talk near as much as me, so maybe he can make up if I go over. Um, I have a slide. Oh, just a few photos. Um, first one. Yeah, so that's the logo of Stars of Peace. Um, so last year when I shared about Stars of Peace, uh, we talked about how it was just really grassroots, like they were in the process of getting approval for the government to go out to this village called Prekho that, um, where they could work with people, they could talk to parents, they could help everyone understand um, what under fives need, because in Cambodia, as I explained last year, they, they actually just do not know the significance of an under five. They don't know that their personality is the majority developed before they go to school. They don't know the foundations that happen. Um, and alongside that their history tells them it's not safe to treasure your babies it's not safe to hold your ch children dear because they the mortality rate is ridiculously high and um, with the Khmer Rouge they got taken away people died um, sickness happened all the rest of it and they're culturally they need their children because otherwise the family doesn't function they need their children to work and produce otherwise their family just doesn't can't eat basically, um, in the majority of Cambodia. So what Stars of Peace aims to do is educate um, and support families to understand the significance of their young children and to empower them to bring the, the best, lay the best foundations for their children going forward. Um, so uh, this year we got to go and see a preschool that they've managed to open out at Prekho. It actually was supposed to open on the Friday we were there, but being Cambodia, somebody basically rang up a couple of days before and said from the government official saying, we can't make it, change the date. So it happened the day after we left, but that's okay. We still got to go and see the preschool, which is on the next photo. So this is um, the preschool. It's a four by 10 meter building. Um, and they, uh, in the future, will have two sessions, morning and afternoon with 25 children. Um, anyone who's ever been into a preschool, to know 25 children, two and a half to five, and the room is actually about four by maybe seven and a half, eight meters. That's a lot of children in a very small space, um, but they do amazing with it. Um, the next photo, please. So this is one of their neighbors. This is this is a reality of the village they live in. You can see the houses next door are a little bit higher up and not quite as, look like they're about to fall over, but this is a reality of, of what they're living in and what we had the absolute privilege and blessing to go and experience and um, and share. We got invited into some of these homes to meet the people that whose children or grandchildren um, they'd be working with in the preschool. Next photo, please. Um, as you can see here, anyone who knows about early childhood, that's Te Whareke. That's the New Zealand early childhood curriculum. So um, Jude DeWall, who's an Aucklander, um, who manages lots of preschools up in Auckland, helped Narot and Tita, who run Stars of Peace, to set up their curriculum and get everything sorted for their for uh, how, to, how to run their preschool. Um, so they combined the New Zealand and the Cambodian curriculums to create something special for uh, Stars of Peace. And New Zealand is a world leader in early childhood development and uh, preschool. The curriculum is held worldwide in high esteem. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, next slide, please. This is inside. So um, it's, it's just beautiful. Like I walked in and, and I thought, I want to be in preschool here. I want these resources. This is amazing. Um, they've been blessed by Jude with helping to purchase uh, resources and equipment for their preschool and they've just done amazing with the space they have. Next picture please. Um, this is uh, one of the teachers who uh, is passionate. She has a heart for God and a heart for children. Just the absolute best combination you can have going into a preschool with children. Next one please. 
Um, and these are children reading books. Some of these children would have never held a book before. Um, they, they look tidy. They've got nice clothes on. But that, that is not a picture of their reality outside of this preschool. Um, on their opening day, they actually had to turn a couple of children away initially because they turned up without pants. They just didn't have pants on. And for hygiene, they couldn't have children with no pants chilling in preschool on their cushions with the other children. And one of the parents came and said, please, can you still take my child today? Um, the reason I don't have pants is because we, um, when there's a big rain, our house has holes and it, it flooded and all of our clothes got, got wet and we couldn't get them dry in time and better to have no pants than wet pants. And so they had to, you know, they had to take that. You know, that, and that's just, that's just reality. Next one, please. Um, this is the last photo. I just wanted to show you some of the beautiful shining faces of the children in this village that they're supporting. Narot and Tita not only are just managing a preschool, but they are working alongside parents um, every day and grandparents because the grandparents have a huge involvement in their children's lives. Um, I just really wanted that image to stick with you, partially because the, the little girl being held had like the biggest eyes I've ever seen. Um, and they're just absolutely beautiful. Um, and just the... the Oh, their love for each other is just outstanding. Um, the last thing I wanted to share with you is actually a quote that Julie felt um, to share with us, Matt and myself, pr the last year when we went. Um, and I feel that it also represents what Stars of Peace is doing. So it's a quote from Mother Teresa. I found the paradox that if I love until it hurts, then there is no hurt, but only more love. And um, that's been really significant for Matt and I. But also... Um, just what yeah, Nodot and Tita are doing is incredible. They, it's taken a year to get to the point where they can have a preschool, not only financially, but just because it's taken a year of building relationships and trust with these parents to know that it's not just people coming in and telling them what to do. It's not just another organization coming in and telling them how to raise their children, but these are people who truly desire the best for family in Cambodia, desire the best for the future of the nation. Um, yeah, so thanks. <laughs> Good job, Kat. You've um, you've left Matt one minute. Okay, <laughs> he'd be fine with that. Uh, Matt, care for Cambodia? Come and tell us about it. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> I had a really good chance to spend a lot of time with Johnny, who's down the bottom there. Um, there's something about the Irish who have a fantastic sense of humour. I don't think I've met someone yet. They just they crack me up. Johnny's got an incredibly dry sense of humour, but um, so. <laughs> Care for Cambodia last year, we spent a lot of time in the children's home, which is something they're sort of phasing out because of a couple of reasons of um, the orphanage environment isn't actually necessarily best for the development of children as they grow up. Um, also, the development of a kind of almost orphanage tourism industry, which isn't so cool, but that's a story for another day. Um, this year, we um, had the opportunity to... Um, take some clothes out to a, a classroom, which you can see down the bottom there um, with the girls up the front, um, helping them with their English, just having a bit of back and forth can really help them learn the language. And handing out the clothes was definitely a very awesome thing to watch and see as they picked their clothes and decided whether they would fit and stuff like that. Um, the Friday, the last Friday before we left, I got to go with Johnny for a two and a half hour drive, so we got up. I got up about six in the morning, um, jumped on the back of a motorbike without a helmet, much to Kat's dismay. Um, the motorbike sank quite a bit, um, so it was a very heavy ride to the. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then we headed out. Um, we stopped at a, pl a uh, Kamai place for breakfast, which was an eye opener. They could. We could certainly learn a lot in terms of fast food from them. Um, the food is fast, but the service is, is kind of non-existent. We walked in, we were pointed at the table that we had to sit down at, and then the man with the towel over his arm, was, he, he had like this kind of magician's sort of flair to him, but he was very serious, and he'd just point at each person at the table. There's no menus, you just say what you want, and then he'll yell back at the kitchen, and then five minutes later, out comes your food, and I was like, oh, this is, this is great. Um, so then we came to a river um, we had to cross the river on the ferry um, saw some very interesting things there um, a lot of things to sell um, pretty much if you can deep fry it they'll do it um, birds, insects I'm pretty sure I saw some deep fried bat 
Um, it was mm, I wasn't keen to, um, to stomach any of that. Um, but yeah, we went through all these rice paddies um, in the van. Um, the road was literally as wide as the van, so it, that was an interesting experience. Um, then we reached this little village, which village is kind of an interesting concept because there was like a single house, and I couldn't see another house for for forever. But apparently, kids from about three kilometres away will come to this one house because this is where they've built a um, classroom. And one of the things that Kef Cambodia does is extracurricular um, education. Over in Cambodia, you have school in the morning, and then there's a second lot of school in the afternoon. Um, it was really uh, an awesome privilege to be at the school opening, um, seeing, I think there was about 100 kids there who come after school to spend an hour and a half to do some extra stuff so they can go that back further. Um, it was impressive because, to me, back being in primary school, the thought of doing an hour and a half voluntarily was like brain melting. Um, yeah, so that was really awesome to see. Um, it was awesome to see also the Khmer people, the man who donated the land. We didn't even donate the land. He's just let them build the classroom on his land. He helps them teach. Um, it was quite forward-thinking, the guy who we visited. He has, for the last 10 years, used biogas to cook. Um, so basically, he's got, you got the toilet, it goes into a tank, he adds a bit of water and uses the gas to cook. Um, and recently, he added a solar panel to the top of his house, which powers not only his house, but also the school classroom just across the way, uh, which was just amazing to see. Awesome forward thinking and forward planning. So, yeah, that's me. Okay, so um, before, I, before my three-minute timer starts, I'd just like to personally apologise to the church. Um, we were, I was really hoping to get a slideshow of a lot of our photos of um, Cambodia up before and after the service so you guys can just see a bit more, like there's been plenty of photos, but see a little bit more of that. Um, but me being a lover of Apple products and looking through my rose-tinted glasses, I forgot that my MacBook Air does not have an HDMI output. Um, so hopefully I should be able to get those up and we might, if you stick around, you might be able to see them after the service. Um, yeah, so I get to talk about Prison Fellowship Cambodia, um, which I remember the, fir uh, the first time we spent time with them was last year and we spent a day with them and I remember seeing it on, on the itinerary and being like, sorry, what? Why are we, why would we go into a prison? <laughs> um, and then... We spent like spent the morning learning about the um, basically the injustices of the um, prison system in Cambodia. Um, you probably would have, if you were around last year, you would have heard us say that you'll never see a rich person in prison. Um, that's just because if um, they're caught in the wrong, it's very easy to pay someone out quietly um, and then frame it on on someone who is weak and undefenseless um, and without money to employ a lawyer to handle their case. So um, obviously there are people in prison who um, who are in there for reasons that normal people would be put into prison, but then there are a lot of people who aren't. Um, and there's just crazy situations where like we were learning about um, if you steal a mango, for example, you'll be put into prison for three months, three to six months. Um, if you steal it with two people, um, you'll be in prison for three to six years because that's considered a much higher crime, there's higher chance of you hurting someone with two people and stuff. So it's just like just real crazy ideas around um, what is just and the government um, believes that if you're in prison you should be fully incarcerated and they don't really um, see the, well they do now because of prison um, fellowship but it's very hard to see for them to um, see the value in investing into the lives of prisoners because they're bad that some they should be punished um, whereas prison fellowship have come alongside um, to help break the cycle um, so they do that by education they've got um, they've got an incredible relationship with hundreds of prisons in Cambodia um, we went and visited two of them this year in the city which were probably two of the nicest ones 
um, and even then they weren't so flash. But um, it was really encouraging to see Prison Fellowship in there. They've got classrooms, they're teaching the kids. Um, oh, the particular group that I was with, was um, we went to the women's and youth prison. And so they were teaching the kids um, trades. They were learning physics, chemistry, and um, basically doing the equivalent of NCEA here in prison over there. So when they came out, they actually had prospects for their future. Um, what they didn't fall back into the cycle of crime, which is really cool. Um, they also provide basic care packs because basically um, if you get arrested, you go straight to jail. If you don't have anything else with you, apart from the clothes on your back, just that's what you get. Um, and so Prison Fellowship helps to actually provide them with their prison uniforms because they don't get given those, they have to pay for them. Um, they give them soap and basic sanitary needs. Um, yeah, just basically providing them with what they need to actually exist in the prison because otherwise they're in a four by four metre room with 30 other prisoners um, and they're allowed out for so many hours of the day to go to school and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've got it written on my hand. I could have used my phone, but I thought I'd go right back to basics and just use my hand. Um, <laughs> they also have a really well-established reintegration program. So they work with churches in lots of villages um, to help, when the prisoners get out, um, reintegrate them back into society. Because there's a lot of shame um, around going to prison. Like it could be very easy for someone to um, go back into their home village and be completely rejected because, well, they are, there's just there's a huge mentality of fear in Cambodia. And, um, and one of the Buddhist teachings is if you do something wrong, you get what you deserve, um, which we know that's not true. God's grace is enough to cover us all, um, no matter what we've done, whether it's steal a mango or whether it's kill someone. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, I just I really love what Prison Fellowship are doing. The other thing, um, they go in and um, provide support for foreigners in prison um, because there'll be a lot of people that get into the drug trafficking um, industry in Cambodia because it's very easy to end up in prison with no family to um, help them out, no family to mentor them. Um, so they provide services for foreigners of um, similar nationalities to go in and be their friend and talk with them through um, through the decisions and how they're going to how they're going to um, basically live their life once they get out um, and live their life while they're in there. And then the last thing they do is uh, what we call the freedom freedom project. So um, prison fellowship aims to um, aid everyone who is affected by prison uh, imprisonment and crime. Um, so quite often that's not just the people who are put in prison, but it's their families as well. It's the kids who are left alone without mothers. Um, and so they have they've just been doing incredible um, incredible work there with, uh, they've got social workers working with the families. Um, they've actually developed a, a program that will bring the families in to visit the kids because if, if they weren't doing that, the kids don't have money to come in from their villages to see their mum. Um, and they have to sit there behind bars, which um, they've actually just recently been able to build a home. Um, you'll see out there a wee room that the prison guards have allowed them to bring the prisoners in and the families can actually um, spend time with their, their mothers in a home environment rather than sitting there talking to their mum behind bars, um, which is really cool. It allows the mum to play with her kids and love on them. Um, and we actually, yeah, we actually got to see that in action, which was real privilege. Um, the, the the thing that really stood out for me for Prison Fellowship was that um, out of all the organisations, it's probably the most developed, um, and they've got incredible. They've just taken incredible steps to gain favour um, in the eyes of the government and in the eyes of the prison chiefs. Um, like the things that they are allowed to do is incredible, considering that they are an openly professing Christian organisation um, and and just things like um, they're modelling integrity every like every step of the way they lots of people ask them if they're trying to get um, consent for something they say well if you just give us this money we can just slip it under the table and then you can go ahead and do it but they say no we're actually going to take the six month process to get all the whilst that might whilst your way might mean we get things done quicker we're going to do it the right way and get all the signatures that we need and 
regardless of how long that takes, we're going to act integrally. Uh, Is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, I've talked for long enough, but it's just really cool. And um, this is Kumput, and he has just, in the last couple of years, taken over it, which is cool because um, the idea of um, NGOs is for expats to start up something and empower Cambodians to empower their own people. Um, So that was cool to see Kumput come into leadership, and he's an incredible guy. Good job, Liz. Thank you very much. Such a good way of sharing there. You're forgiven for the uh, photos. Awesome. 400 people. 400 people in one prison baptized last year. Come on. We, we should be celebrating that. That's incredible. Let me, um, let me just tie this all together uh, as quickly as possible because I realize you've just seen a whole lot of organizations. You're like, a little bit of it wants to go over the top of the head. All of these organizations that you have just seen, you guys are a part of. You are partnering with. Thrive Church is partnering with. When Glenn got up this morning and talked about the missions, the missions budget, 5% of the income of this church goes directly to missions. Uh, and then we take up uh, special offerings over and above that. So it's probably probably about 15, 20% of, uh, uh, of money is able to go overseas each year. So, But 5% out of general, Captain General or, or the General or whatever he was, which I thought was very well done. Uh, very good. Um, and so, look, I just want to help you for a moment. Um, picture 19, 1975. Okay, 1975. You've got Phnom Penh, you've got Cambodia. Phnom Penh, a city that Singapore was modelled after. The Khmer Rouge, they come in. This is a beautiful city. They come in and they kick absolutely everybody out of the city. Okay, so think of uh, Auckland City. Everybody kicked out. Sent out to, uh, to do farming. Okay, you get your plot of land, you've got to, you've got to farm it, grow your rice, the first part of your rice uh, goes to feed the troops um, and you live on what is left over and that doesn't function very well. You end up all of your rice going, you end up with nothing. If you have any form, any form of college education, so even if you've done, you know, you've done one year, one year college education, then in the next four years you're going to probably lose your life. You're gone. Okay. Uh, if you've got any links to the government, anything like that, you're gone. If you say something that uh, is, is against the Khmer Rouge, these, remember these are the people that are absolutely oppressing you, you're gone. Okay, over the next four years. Two, two million people wiped out. The Khmer Rouge is, is overthrown. The people come back into, let's say, Auckland City. The, the strong manage to get the buildings that are still there. The weak end up with the slum villages. They just, you know, if they can get a tarp. You know, and you, if you think about it, so you're gone, uh, probably most of us in this room, uh, a good chunk of us in the room, but, but your children, teenagers, are probably going to be the ones that now have to rebuild this whole deal. And that's what happened. That, that's what happened and for many of us in the room in our lifetime. Um, and so this is what this this is what this country is trying to recover from, um, and so we see the extremes because right from the outset the extremes were set in place. The the, the strong got the got the buildings, the weak and the, uh, the, they they ended up with the slums, um, and um, and so yeah you have got the you've got the contrast which uh, is is incredible, but in amongst us you have got an incredibly resourceful people. And you've got uh, an incredibly generous people as well. Generous, you know, the, the, the generosity that you would see from the poor would put us to shame. Absolutely. Uh, they put me to shame. I have no, I had no problem saying that. Um, and um, it just hearing, you, you're going to hear from Kevin in the next uh, in two weeks' time. And uh, the stories are just incredible. You've got 60% of the population over there who are living on less than $2 a day, two American dollars a day. I think 40% less than $1 a day. You've got this Buddhist religion which does nothing to help them. Uh, I mean, it makes me cross because you see the monks and their orange things and they'll come and they'll stand at the door with their, with their pot and the people will come out and out of fear will put money in there so that the, the monk will then bless them. 
it's just take, it's just take and no give. It's all out of fear. And this is the thing with it, that they, these, guys, these people over here, they are real people. So it gets me with it. They're real people. They're just like you and me. This could happen. This could happen to Auckland City. Um, they're, they're not specially designed to live in slum villages. I mean, maybe they're specially designed to be able to handle those squat toilets. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it's not designed for that. But they are not specially designed for this. And why was it? Why was it them? And why wasn't it us? You know, there's these questions that 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 you can be hit with over there. Um, and and that's one of the things that we see year in and year out. Um, but I want to talk. I just want to tie together the incredible things that we're seeing happen. Okay, that's that's the reality where they're coming from. But that's not the end story with God. And we get as a church to partner and be part of the answer with real people, real people over there. Um, so, you know, we've been over there. Uh, this is the fourth year that people have gone over from our church. Fourth year in uh, three Last three years, I've been uh, a part of it, and I love seeing the progress that is happening. So we talk about Elam, um, and, um, and if you could just follow me on these slides, uh, Tom, and we talk about Elam. And so there's families over there that we see who have grown and progressed through the years as they've been a part of a loving church family. Uh, the church loves us coming because they love the ministry that we bring. They love the prophetic input that we bring. Last year, I sat with the pastor and I said, look, I can see that what's going to happen is that you're going to be going out to the highways and byways uh, and actually taking church out into the villages. And I said, look, I just feel when, when you need a motorbike to allow that to happen, then we'll, we'll purchase a motorbike. Um, and so six months later, they say, we're ready to do it. And so we go over this year, and here's our motorbike. And here's Serac in the village, in the Happy Kids Club. He wasn't allowed to take the projector that time. <laughs> but we, we were a part of making that happen. We were a part of 90 children every week being ministered to. And their families. You guys, you're part of it. You're part of it. Um, Manor, for the last two years we've been there. And so brutally evicted village. Kevin and Lekina working with this village. You're going to hear a lot more about them in the weeks to come. Um, and we go back this year, and, and the mango trees are bigger. And this time they've got the first two grades of school that are happening for the children. Uh, we, we were able to facilitate a team of um, builders going over there and also working with the village people, training and, and doing some building to allow this school to happen. We've been, uh, we went and we walked on the land. There we are. There we are on the land sitting on the land that, that, um, that we're a part, and we're still in the process of just working through some things with that, um, but we've, we've been able to take that offering up to see that happen. That, that, that farm is going gonna, is gonna to help this village no end. We're a part of it. You guys, we're all in this. Um, uh, Stars of Peace, as Kat said, last year we heard from, um, uh, from Narop, she had a vision, she had a dream. We were able to encourage and pray into it. This year we go back, they've got all the permissions, they've got the daycare happening, they're working with the families over there. We were able to be a part of it. Um, PFC, uh, Prison Fellowship, um, one of the, probably one of the biggest gifts that, that we give to that ministry. We, while we were over there, the team gave $500 for the care, for some care backs for prisoners. Which I think, how many is that? 100, 200, 300? How many prisoners? Yeah, not sure. Um, anyway, we were able to give to that. But Julie is a part of their board, and that play, and, and, and through Julie's involvement, and sorry, Stars of Peace too, Julie, massive involvement there, um, have been able to see that go from strength to strength to strength. To the point now where you've got a national director. I can't explain to you how big that is. So he's not a foreigner, he's a national Cambodian who's in there running the organization. Which is, which is fantastic. Um, and then we've got our amazing Julie. Your amazing Julie. In the midst of it all. Uh, and, and, and just being able to see these different organizations go from strength to strength. And, and, and when we give on a Sunday morning, some of our money goes to support and pay Julie. We're a part of it. 
We're a part of incredible things, uh, incredible things happening. Uh, you know, the church has been able to buy motorbikes. We've been able to help with see micro enterprises start up. We've been at this time we were able to give uh, $500 for some books. The books in, in Cambodia for children are scary. They are they are freakishly scary. They talk about their ghost boyfriends and all this sort of stuff. And so, so to get good books that have been translated. We were able to, we were able to make that happen. The the the, the farm with manor, uh, facilitating builders going over the care packs, all those sorts of things. And um, I sat and talked with the leadership team uh, during the week, and uh, and looked at and gave them some recommendations of what we can help with uh, for this year. And I won't I won't steal that from Glenn. He'll be able to share with you um, in the coming uh, weeks months about some of the the, the strategy. Uh, uh, from here, it's going to be awesome. Let me just talk a moment. So anyway, you guys are making a difference, making a huge difference. Let me just talk about the team for a moment. I love seeing what happens when a team goes over to Cambodia. Absolutely love it. Um, uh, just seeing the worldview shift. Okay, where where um, and, and especially for for teenagers, I love seeing. It, but I also love seeing adults, and I want to encourage more adults to be a part of it next year. It was great having Leone. Uh, with us there. Um, um, for many people, it's not enough to go once because it's something captures you and you, you want to help. Um, I want to I encourage you, even if it's not Cambodia, I want to encourage you to go somewhere. Go somewhere that challenges you, confronts your worldview, uh, and makes you really think about what is it as believers that we are really called to? When it says to love our neighbours and to help the poor, what does that mean? Um, and, and if you go out with someone aside a of Thrive, you, you may have a heart for another nation, fantastic. Do it with, a, do it with an organisation that is really going to be doing help, is doing it well, because there's just so many mistakes out there. Um, and one of the things, I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty proud of what Thrive is doing in Cambodia, uh, because it's, it's good, it's strategic, and it's well thought, thought through. Um, yeah, I tell you what, you'll come back to New Zealand a different person. Uh, there'll be a, there'll be a team going out next year, um, and uh, start saving now. Just start putting some money away. Start putting some money away. It's the it's the way to make it happen. So that when we get to sort of uh, middle of this year, when they're looking at who's going to be on the team, you can go. Well, I've got five hundred bucks here already. You know, uh, it, it, it will do your brain <laughs> um, a, a lot of good. Um, one of the other things I'm I, I'm keen uh, to see help facilitate is just even a, a completely secular group go out as well, um, and uh, you know just go and see some of these organisations. Um, it will change their it will change their their worldview. So if you know of people that want to go who who aren't Christians, aren't believers, then 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 let me know, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. So um, yeah, start pre- start preparing or, or plan to go somewhere, just to be challenged. Um, yeah, like I say, coming back to New Zealand, you'll be a different. You'll be a different to. This is what I find. My big problems in New Zealand when I come back, they shrink. They're literally, I come back. I come back a more contented person. I would say over the last few years, I have been a so much more contented. But it's just what I thought was big, again, has just been put back into perspective. Um, you'll realise how rich we are. Um, giving ten percent of your income will be the least you can do. It will be. It will be the least you can do. Um, actually, can I just make a comment on it? Let, let me just let me be bold and make a comment. That this year, for Ruth and I, we're living on half of our income of what we've had. You know, for I wouldn't I wouldn't consider for two minutes, I wouldn't consider for ten seconds withdrawing our regular offering from this place. I just wouldn't consider it. One because I can't afford to. <laughs> I need God to come through for us. But two, what we are seeing happen in this place is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. The vision that these guys have is awesome. That's why we handed it over to these guys. They've got an awesome vision. This church is just going to go from strength to strength to strength. We're doing incredible things in Cambodia, but we're also doing incredible things here. And you've heard from the likes of Simone and Trinity this year, uh, today. They're, they're people that have been helped right here in our midst. It's exciting. This church is an exciting place. 
Um, and, uh, you know, th- here's the other thing for me, is that even on halfway income, I am still a wealthy man. $2 a day. I am still a wealthy, wealthy man. We are, we are incredibly fortunate. And the Bible says, to whom much has been given, much is expected. Um, and that's real. That's in the Bible. We can't argue with this. In the Bible, we can try and twist it as much as we want. But it says, to whom much has been given, much is expected. And we, we're making a real difference, church. We're making a real difference. And it's awesome. So, um, so I want to say, well done. What you're doing over there, well done. What you're doing here, well done. Keep up the good work. Um, this week, the documentary on Wednesday night, I encourage you to be a part of it and bring your friends who have an interest, whether they be Christians or not. It will be sensitive enough for them to come. I would say that uh, 13 years up. Um, but the documentary is going to show you some more of the issues and how we can help and how everyday New Zealanders can help as well. That's me. Thank you.